0: Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench, we want to remind you all that Monumental Sports Network is the new streaming service for all your D.C. sports. Watch live games, exclusive shows, and attend VIP events. You can start your free trial today at GetMonumental.com. Welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Zach Rosen here with Jacob Raim, Chris Gehring, Jeremy Hyman in a way. He's in the room. And on the phone, we have a very special guest, uh, the co-founder of Spotlight Media Ventures and Bleacher Report Magazine, Tom Haberstroh. Did I pronounce that correctly, Tom?
1: You did. You nailed it.
0: Man, that, that's a win right there. Uh, so first off, we want to, before we kind of get into some NBA talk, some some Wizards, uh, discussion after last night's game against the suns Cavs coming up uh just we want to hear about what you're up to tom uh we know that you're you're starting something new uh working with Bleacher report but definitely want to want to hear what you're up to
1: um i am up to new beginnings i had a kid and i think i've gone a little crazy here i left i left espn and uh yeah i decided this summer that i wanted to branch out and do some some new stuff and that's part of what we're doing at leverage the chat um it's the podcast group um of spotlight media and me and a bunch of friends started this company zach harper you might know him at talk hoops um amin el hassan they Waz, black trey who is a very uh, good friend of brandon jennings who is a friend of the wizards yes. um and we're just in jade hoy who's the producer of this project so We're pushing out lots of great podcasts. Uh, We're gonna be doing videos soon, live streaming NBA show. Um, And it's not just about basketball, but it's primarily you know, basketball discussion. And we're using a lot of ESPN talent that were part of the layoffs um, and no longer with ESPN. Like Coach Thorpe, David Thorpe will be on the pod later today on the Basketball Friends. And if you really miss my writing, and I know all of you do, don't worry. You're going to be able to sleep at night because I will be writing magazine features at Bleacher Report, um, just like I was doing at ESPN, the magazine. So you'll see a lot of the same stuff, kind of like what I did with Jan Mahimi last year with the virtual reality and how it's helping him with his free throws. Um, that type of sports science and performance and analytics, all that fun stuff, you can find it at BR Mag, in written form.
2: The question that we, all, that we all want to know, though, is are we getting...
1: Tinder 2.0 at Bleacher Report. <laughs> uh, yeah, d- there, are, there are some extensions of that story. The Tinderization story that I did uh, last year, if you hadn't heard, um, there's some theorizing among GMs and coaches and players. That the reason why home court advantage has disappeared over the last couple years pretty sharply is because guys are sleeping more and drinking less. Because of Tinder and the like apps, so that's pretty crazy. But also, uh, it, there's a lot of like science that backs it up. You know, guys are sleeping more; they're not going out as hard um, because they're able to uh, reach their goals a little bit more efficiently. <laughs> Is that, how do we want to say that? Um, yeah, they, they they hit their field goals a lot a lot easier. So, um, Better yeah, holders. yeah, that's the Tinderization story.
2: If you haven't read that article um it's one of my favorite articles that i've read the past couple of years it's called the tinderization of the nba um just google that and uh enjoy the next uh, 15 minutes of your life um so what other um so obviously we know that um the basketball friends podcast is gonna be on there that's gonna be the one with you and zach and big waz and etc what other um what other podcasts are planned for leverage the chat right now
1: Oh, man. We've got um, Sorted History, which is a really cool podcast about celebrities and their legal, kind of weird, questionable legal, and kind of uh, scandalous history. Um, and so you should check that out if you're into that. Also, we have Talk Hoops, which is Zach Harper's pod, which is more one on one. And you just had one, a great one up with Rob Mahoney um, from SI. And he's had some with Lane Whitaker, formerly of the NBA.com. And we also, Kevin Arnovitz, I don't know if you all know Kevin, but Kevin and I go way back from the heat index days at ESPN. And we're going to be starting up a kind of a food restaurant podcast. We're going to have everything, a little bit of everything. Waz Speaks is Big Waz's political podcast. So what we're doing is we're taking a lot of our basketball people, and if they have passions elsewhere – um, we're letting them do their thing. So we have about eight podcasts right now up on the site on leverage the chat.com. Go hit that, um, at the Apple store or on, uh, you know, SoundCloud or Stitcher, or what have you, we'll be there.
0: Sweet. Well, Tom, we appreciate you plugging those things and we definitely want our, our listeners to check in with that, uh, great national, um, insight that you might not find on this wizard centric podcast because we talk a lot about the wizards, but, uh, we want to get it into with you. What have you seen so far? It's a small sample size. These first two plus weeks of the season, a lot of, uh, we like to say wonkiness going on, especially in our Eastern conference.
1: It's a lot of wonkiness. You know, usually we have, like, one team that just blows the doors off of everybody, you know, whether it's Golden State Warriors um, and the Golden State Warriors and the Golden State Warriors. Um, Everybody's just kind of meh. And that's why the Washington Wizards fans, I know after uh, Warren's 40-burger last night, you're going to be pretty depressed. But I think everyone is in this, like, really weird parody NBA. I mean, every team in in the league has two losses – uh, so there's not even a one-loss team. Forget an undefeated team through seven games. It's really odd. I can't remember a season like this where everyone's just in the middle of the pack. Uh, you have Miami, who are 13th in in the East, right? They're like pretty far down there. But the like the Wizards are four and two, um, like, and they're third. So like everyone is in that chunk in the middle. Uh, and I think the Wizards at this point you got to feel good about things because you're basically top 10 in offensive and defensive ratings. You've had some really tough close losses, but ultimately everyone has had an up and down season. So this isn't where you feel like you're really losing ground on the Cavs or the Celtics uh, because you're literally a half game behind the the Celtics. And so even they, if if that's the team that you're trying to chase, you're right there. And a good couple games here, um, you're going to be able to get in first place in the East, which sounds kind of weird after losing to the Phoenix Suns. But Friday is going to be a fascinating matchup with a team that is very, very vulnerable right now. I know the Wizards are feeling like, ah, oh, we just lost them. We blew a 20-point lead against the Phoenix Suns. But at this point, there's no better time than to be facing the Cavs right now because they don't have Isaiah Thomas. They don't have any continuity from last year. So this is the time to face uh, the Cavs when they're just an absolute total mess on the defensive end.
3: Tom, we talked a little bit about, we've talked a little bit about before on this podcast how it's a little strange that the preseason was shortened, the start of the season was moved up, and for playoff teams and, and teams that are, that are shooting to be in that upper echelon of each conference, October and November can always be kind of kind of weird with a long season ahead and hopefully a long playoff run ahead. Is that, has that, do you think played that big of a difference in kind of this, the bizarre nights that we're seeing kind of night in and night out in the league? And does that preparation, I know that Coach Brooks has talked about, you know, the shorter preseason being kind of strange. Um, How big of a difference do you think that that plays for teams that, like the Wizards have a lot of continuity for the Cavs, don't have a lot, teams that have made some switches and just kind of that dynamic that was really either added or augmented this year with the way that the that the schedule was switched up
1: i think one big thing that's happening is everyone's playing faster because that's just the way the nba is now uh, is to try to follow the golden state warriors uh, model which is you know play super fast and get three point shots up early in the shot clock i asked jason kidd about this last night and it's it's incredible the the milwaukee bucks have the 24th fastest paced team in the league right now in terms of number of possessions per game. They're pretty slow, but they were, they're actually the number one fastest team, the fastest team if this was 2011, that's how fast the league is now. And I can't tell whether it's just teams are, you know, trying to outrun each other because they're trying to get into shape. um, And they're just falling apart late in games. as you saw last night, but I think this is a much different NBA than what it was say five years ago. And when you have a shortened preseason teams are just going to be inconsistent, you know, play calls are going to be harder for them. Uh, a lot of guys are trying to work in, you know, rookies and try to incorporate them into the offense. And you have the, the Cavs and the Celtics um, incorporating a lot of new players into their roster. So you're getting just a lot of wonkiness where teams are playing through the preseason jitters. And you know what? Like, they didn't play their stars for all their preseason games. They maintained their long preseason habits of sitting their stars for half the game. And so even the best players like LeBron or Kawhi still hurt, but you look at um, a lot of the stars, they've sat out. Like like Russell Westbrook is another example. They sat out a lot of their games. Um, so this is a, a really weird start. I think if you're a team like the Miami Heat, or the Philadelphia 76ers or the, or the Pelicans Denver, you might be under 500, but you after one good week, you could be at the top of your conference. That's how crazy it is.
2: Um, I think uh, obviously um, you know, winning your division doesn't really matter, but it's certainly something that we um, took a lot of pride in last year. because We've not done it in such a long time. Um, you looked at the, you looked at the Southeast this season and uh you saw a very, very weak division—one that, you know, we uh, we honestly thought we'd win running away, and we still do. Um, seven games isn't going to change that. But there's a team that's showing up there that looks just so much better than I think anybody could have anticipated in the Orlando Magic, and um, Aaron Gordon looks incredible there. And um, is that even remotely real? <laughs>
1: Um, I don't think so. Well, depends on what you mean by real. Uh, if real means that Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, uh, Booch, Jonathan Simmons, Alfred Payton are all gonna, and DJ Ogson are all going to shoot forty percent and sometimes fifty percent from three, nah. Like they're not. They're they're not missing shots right now, and they're the best three point shooting team in the league. They're the third highest pace. They're playing the Warriors basketball. I just don't think it's sustainable. I mean, you're looking at Aaron Gordon, who is my pick for most improved player of the year this year. I think he was going to get better this year pretty good. Um, because pretty good. he's still 22. But at the end of the day, he's not going to be hitting 60% of his threes. And Fournier, he's not going to be hitting 60% of his threes. But that's where the three-point percentage is right now. I think they're going to fall probably probably fall back to middle of the pack in terms of three-point percentage. And there is going to be a regression of the mean. But – They've played so well so far. Every time I think they're going to fall back, they go out and beat a really good Memphis team. Yeah.
0: When you look at a team like the Magic shooting uh, that well, do you do you take into account their open shots, or do you think they're just they're just kind of falling from all angles? And it's it's one of those things like kind of when a, a college basketball team gets hot in the tournament, and maybe they play a game and miss. You almost all their threes, what what do you really look at for some of these teams that get hot?
1: Yeah, you, you also look at what type of shots they're getting. Um, I want to plug Ben Falk here um, of CleaningTheGlass.com, a former executive for both the Portland Trailblazers and the Philadelphia 76ers, now has a great blog post up about, you know, what type of shots the Orlando Magic are getting. And if they're getting wide open shots, um, that's one thing because that's more process than results. It's, you know, they're getting really high-quality shots, but they're hitting a lot of mid-range jumpers, um, and they're focusing a lot of their uh, scoring, their inefficient, unsustainable scoring right now, in very inefficient areas. And that's, like, a big red flag for me is it's not that they're getting tons of shots at the rim, high-percentage shots at the rim. They're, get, they're just making a lot of mid-range j's, and those things tend to even out over time. And so... I haven't quite looked at whether the open shots are are happening a lot more often for Orlando, but what I do know is that a lot of their hot shooting is in inefficient areas, and at some point, that's going to dry out and that fire is going to go out. Um, so I think this is a really really exciting young team, but to think that there are 50 wins and they're going to maintain this pace, uh, I, I don't think is really realistic. And you look at a team like the Chicago Bulls last year. People don't remember don't remember this, but they were like one of the best teams in the NBA to start the season last year. Um, and they came out firing out of the gates and then we all know what happened to their offense thereafter. So, mm-hmm. you know, they were 8 and 4 to start the lead, to start the season last year and everyone was talking a big game and then soon enough they were under 500 and they were back to being the Chicago Bulls and they finished basically as a 500 team. So, I think we're probably going to have to pump the brakes a little bit, but I love what Frank Vogel's doing Uh, with this offense. A lot of three-point shooting, a lot of hot three-point shooting, but, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of this is coming from the mid-range, and you just can't, it can't can't be sustainable. So, I think this is a 50-win, I mean, a a 500 team, maybe a little bit better than that. I just don't see them sustaining this over the long haul.
4: Hey, Tom, I want to flip it back to the Wizards for a minute, if I could, and I'm not a big excuse guy, and I don't want to make excuses, but the Wizards were with out Otto Porter last night and I don't know how much you've gotten to see of the Wizards and of Otto this year but the leaps sort of he's made this season as sort of being that third guy and you know the what he does now on both sides of the floor for this team is that is that something that you know this is his fifth year is that something that you might did you see anything in him over you know his career or has this sort of has this surprised you in any in any way?
1: I mean, I always thought that he was going to be a really good role player for for the Wizards, and he came in at a young age, um, and he had a really tough—I believe it was a hip injury, right—to um, start this start his career, and yeah, so yeah. that's going, that's going to be that's going to be hard to come back from. So not only is he a rookie coming into the league as a pretty young guy, but he's coming in with a really traumatic injury, and it's going to take a, probably a couple years of development to really see that kind of uh, trajectory we were expect- expecting from Otto Porter, and obviously the big contract, he's got a big, um, you know, expectations now, and he's leading the league in steals, he's averaging 19 points a game, I didn't see him getting close to 20 points per game this early, but he's really developed, um, He's he's got a floor game, a much better floor game than I expected, I thought he'd be more of a 3 and D guy, kind of like what you saw from Martel Webster, and and you just... didn't expect this this early so you know he still isn't a go-to scorer he doesn't get to the free throw line at all really um and so I think there's still a lot to gain on that on that sense like he's not a Brad Beal or John Wall where you're going to need him to get buckets for you but that he's he's filled in as a really nice third scorer for this team and they're going to need it because you know uh Marcin Gortat is going to be getting uh age up there, and I don't really know who's where that third score is going to come from. Um, and Otto Porter's really, really developed. I think he's a really smart young player. And Kelly Oubre had a really nice stretch here in the early season. But yeah, I I, I don't think Wizards p- people should be very concerned. I mean, they lost uh, a really close game last night. They lost a close game against uh, Golden State. They lost by three, and also to the Lakers. And that stuff evens out. Like, those clutch wins and losses, you can't read it in too much, you know, this early in the season. I think the Wizards will be just fine. They have the continuity. They have the head coaching. And I think, you know, Amin Hassan and I were talking on the phone last night. He's, he's in Miami. I think the Wizards are going to win this division, and I don't think it's going to be very close. I think my, he's, his pick is Miami. He really likes Miami. I just don't know if Assam Whiteside is going to be able to hold up over a long season with that knee bone bruise and all that weight on him. Um, and they're just—they got a lot of knick-knack injuries on that team over the last couple of years. Dion Waiter's ankle is still swollen after hurting it last March, um, and so I think—I think the Wizards. This is the division. This is their division. Nick Batum is hurt for Charlotte, um, even though Orlando has that hot shooting start. I think the Wizards should be just fine uh, in the Southeast.
4: Yeah, I'm not—I'm not overly concerned with the division. I—I agree with you. I think it's going to be a not. Cakewalk for them, but I think I don't I don't think they're going to be challenged, you know You know down the stretch of the season trying to win this division and you I mean what you said that is right I mean, you know this the Wizards have had double-digit leads in the second half of all three games that they lost so far this season uh, Which you which you're right. I mean that stuff is you know, you're, you're not gonna blow that many games in, in my opinion I'm not too concerned about that because I think you know, it's sort of—it's just too small of a sample size right now for this to really become a trend of, you know, why are the Wizards letting leads slip away? Which, if it happens a few right. more times to teams like the Phoenix Suns, then we could probably start having that conversation. But, uh, but that—that that was it for me. And thanks, thanks for your time, uh, Tom. Really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Tom, when it when you look at how well the Wizards lineup played with Kelly Oubre in there without. Uh, Marquise Morris. Morris is, of course, coming back tomorrow, served a suspension last night. What do you think of the crunch time lineup that that projects to have Wall, Beal, Porter, Oubre and and Morris? And how does that, you know, it obviously fits with today's NBA, but do you project that, you know, being one of the top crunch time lineups in the league?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got the shooting, uh, you got the size and you got the flexibility in terms of you know, switching. I mean, Ubre and Porter. I mean, John Walls, he, He's claimed it. He thinks he's the best point guard shot blocker of all time. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's, he's not he, right now. He's leading the team in blocks per game. Uh, so, like, this is this is a team that has a lot of switchability, um, a lot of versatility, and when you have a crunch time lineup, that's what you need is is making sure guys aren't going to be having, you know. Um, you know exploitable matchups uh, mouse in the house type deals where you know you're gonna have you know mismatches down the floor I don't think you're gonna have that too much it, it I think it would be interesting to have Marquise at the five sometimes Marcy and Gortat in crunch time lineups he's gonna be able to set screens and open up some space for other guys but I'd like to see Markeep the way the NBA is going have uh, a five of Wall Porter, Ugre, Beal, and and Marquise, and see how that goes. Um, He's dense. He's strong. He's a guy who's going to have to bring it a lot more defensively and be able to bang down low, but I think like crunch time, the way the NBA is going with skinny balls, small ball, uh, I think that's going to be a look you want to see. And Gortat, he's he's obviously a veteran, a guy who's going to play nasty under the basket. You might need that against guys like Steven Adams. Or Hassan Whiteside, but I think it's interesting with all their versatile wings, what they can do down in crunch time, um, and try to space the floor and get as much action for John Wall, who's hasn't played, you know, kind of subtly hasn't played uh, up to his abilities last year. Uh, a little bit down, his shooting isn't isn't a great percentage right now. Uh, but ultimately, I think you just need more space, and and these guys have played together for a while, so I don't really think. Uh, you have to go with the conventional route of Marcin Gortat at the five. I think I'd love to see Marquis.
3: And this is this could be the last one for me, but kind of building off of that, we've talked a little bit about, amongst ourselves about how sometimes you put lineups on the floor to match up against other teams, and other times you put out matchups to try to make them match up with you. Is that the kind of matchup? Is that the kind of lineup? Excuse me. That when you look at kind of the top of the East and some teams that would figure that the Wizards would project to play in the playoffs, is that the kind of lineup where when the Wizards throw that throw that five on the floor and maybe mix in Kelly Oubre, guys like that occasionally, is that the kind of, of lineup where teams in the East specifically would have to kind of adjust to that? Or And is that something that the Wizards should look at or would look at as an advantage for themselves as opposed to maybe saying, oh, well, the, the Celtics, Cavs, et cetera, are throwing this out, we need to, we need to react?
1: Yeah, I just don't think there's a real, like, five banger down low um, like you you had 15, to 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, this isn't Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, uh, that type of era. So the guy that I think the only one that I think you would be afraid of doing that against is Hassan Whiteside, but you could also drag him out on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, Orlando, you got Vooch. Boston doesn't really have a traditional five there anymore. I mean, Al Horford is not a guy that you're going to be worried about going small against. And the Cavs, they're playing a lot of Kevin Love at the five. Tristan Thompson has been real um, down this season. He had a calf strain last night. I don't think he's going to be playing on Friday. I think he's just worn out. I mean, three playoff uh, runs all the way to the finals, championship runs. For a guy who's an energy guy um, who played that many minutes, uh, an Iron Man. you see this a lot, where Ironman, suddenly they lose it and just because 82 games, or basically 100 games every year, it's going to be really hard to keep that up over the long haul. So I think there's just not that many scary fives in the in the league anymore, especially in the East. So for, for me, I'm looking at versatility and three-point shooting and speed. And with the Washington Wizards closing live, you're going to be able to have that in spades. So I think that's something you got to look
4: at.
0: Tom, last, uh, last one for me. Uh, I know you're a big stats guy also a big fan of statistics what are kind of your go-to stats these days i know there's more and more coming out in the nba a lot of people have moved away from per there's a lot of talk about offensive defensive net ratings um pace what what are your you know go-to evaluators right now
1: oh man if you looked at my my bookmark toolbar at my computer it's an (laughs) embarrassing number of of stat sites right now um RPM over at ESPN, my former employer, Real Plus Minus, is a really cool all-in-one metric that I think does a pretty good job. Um, there's, It's really hard to quantify defense, but I think it does a pretty good job of analyzing which players are, are good plus defenders. Um, RPM at ESPN is a good one. Um, Win shares is a solid all-in-one metric. PER is an offensive metric. I think that's what people need to realize is it doesn't take into account your defense at almost at all, uh, you know, steals and 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 blocks and defensive rebounds only go so far to explain how good you are defensively, and that's why you see guys like Marcus Saul winning the uh, and and uh, Joakim Noah, where they're not going to be leading the league in blocks, but they're still really good defenders, um, <clears throat> winning Defensive Player of the Year. So I like those I like those stats, and also. The NBA.com advanced stats pages are really excellent. You know, I go there a lot, is looking at trends uh, from the NBA.com advanced stats pages. Um, You can look at the player tracking stats. You can look at how many passes the teams make. You can look at how fast they run. So if you feel like, you know, John Wall's looking a little sluggish last night, you can go click on, you know, the player tracking stats and see what his average speed was. Not only defensively, but offensively, too, at breakdowns like that. So... I think we're in a really, really cool era of player tracking stats where you can look at drives, pick and roll data, um, That a lot of just really cool information from the NBA.com advanced stats pages. Check that out. Also, the best new site in NBA analytics right now is Ben Falks Cleaning the Glass. Uh, really good information, really good insights from someone who played in the, not played, but um, was in the front office for, for two really interesting front offices and is just a really big nba nerd and we all love nba nerds love those i mean nerds. we all are nba nerds so ben falk cleaning the glass.com go check that out um and generally like you know just a lot of times you can just google it you know sometimes you're like <laughs> hey who has the most charges in the nba google that and you can find it um right there and uh you know john wall isn't a guy who's taking a lot of charges he's not the greatest charge-taking point guard of all time. But I'll give him the block one. I'll give him that. We'll
3: take it. All
0: right. Well, we appreciate your time, Tom. Uh, you want to plug again uh, all your new ventures just so everyone can can hear that one more time?
1: Absolutely. Won't turn that down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leveragethechat.com. You'll find all of our great podcasts from me, from Amin El-Hassan, from Big Waz, from Zach Harper, Jade Hoy. Uh, today we'll be having Coach Thorpe, uh, from ESPN and Scouts Inc. He'll be on the show um, later to, uh, Later today or tomorrow. Bleacher Report, I've got two stories coming out in the next couple weeks, uh, two magazine features, really interesting stuff. So go check that out at Bleacher Report, BR BRMag. Uh, yeah, and leave a five-star rating. Apparently those are really important if you like what you hear. And if you don't like what you hear, give us a five-star rating because apparently that's really important for podcasts.
0: And, the same, um, and thanks for listening same goes for our uh, our listeners as <laughs> yeah, well yeah, yeah. uh yeah, for us too <laughs> yeah well we appreciate you coming on tom uh whiz kids cleveland tomorrow night capital one arena seven o'clock that's friday and that game can be seen on espn a national game should be a big spotlight perhaps an eastern conference finals preview we hope maybe <laughs> uh but uh Take care, and we will have uh, more guests next week, another podcast dropping on Monday. Uh, Have a great weekend.